this is good news, right? Because when Jesus came the first time, he came with words of love and with grace. Uh, and this is, this is good news for all of those. Today, we're going to be talking about, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a lot of questions that come with the topic of the Holy Spirit. If I were to ask you guys here, what is the Holy Spirit? Uh, if I asked 20 of y'all, I would probably get 24 different answers, right? Uh, because it's a little unclear exactly what the Spirit is and what exactly he produces. Uh, and there's a reason for that, because Scripture is not as clear about what the Spirit is and what he produces as it is about God and as it is about Jesus specifically. Uh, so that's pretty tough. I could ask you questions like, you know, does the Holy Spirit have a physical form? Does he have a personality? Can he make jokes? Uh, does he, you know, is he like fire? Is he like water? Is he like wind? Uh, what does he produce specifically in other people's lives, right? Does he make you say things? Do you have a choice not to say them whenever he prompts you? Does he make you do things like, a, like, a, like you're a marionette? I think that's the right way to use that phrase. Um, I can't remember if that's the doll or the person controlling the doll. That's why there's some contention there. Um, so I'm not going to ask you any of those questions. I just want you to think about two questions as we talk about the Holy Spirit today. Question number one is, is the Holy Spirit personal? And number two is, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in bringing the heart and purpose of God to his people and to the world? Those are the two questions. And to do that, we're going to cover a particular text. Now, I know I usually go for about 30 to 40 minutes. I had thought about extending that today, but instead, I'm going to have it. This will be a short sermon, so if you're dying, soon you'll be free to enjoy the free air. Uh, okay, <laughs> this is from John chapter 14, verses 18 through 27. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback in front of you. And unlike other passages where... You might be able to just hear it and follow along. This one is moderately confusing, just, just textually. So I'm actually going to encourage you more than usual uh, to, to find it in your Bible. This is John chapter 14. It's page 901, if that's easier for, if, if, you're, in the hard, if you're in the black hardback. Um, all right, because it really can be a little bit confusing if you aren't looking at the text. All right, so this is John chapter 14, verses 18 through 27. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and he will come to him, we will come to him, excuse me, and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These words, or excuse me, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There you go. Clear as day. Um, sometimes whenever I read scriptures and I, I hear about the disciples, I can't help but feel uh, a little bad for them, you know? Uh, so like, for instance, they, they, they just don't seem to get what Jesus is trying to get them to understand, right? So like in, in Mark chapter 8, uh, Jesus feeds 4,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and fish. And then immediately after that, the Pharisees are like, show us a sign. And Jesus says, no. I've shown you a sign, and even if I do, you won't believe. And then they get on a boat, he and his disciples, to go somewhere else, and they have one loaf of bread, and Jesus turns to them, and he says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Pontius Pilate. And then they start talking about bread, wondering, you know, did, you know should we not buy bread from the Pharisees? Like, what if they poisoned it? Like, they, they just don't get, often, what he's trying to communicate them to him because they take it, very, very literally. And uh, thankfully, Judas asks the question uh, in this passage that kind of indicates to me that, that they aren't understanding this one either, that, uh, that they're just not quite getting it. So Jesus has been saying that he's about to die, all right? Uh, this is after the, uh, the Passover. Uh, he's just told Peter that he's about to deny him three times, and Peter says, surely not. And uh, he's talked about how he's the way, the truth, and the life. After this, he talks about he's the vine and the branches, and then he gets betrayed, all right? So in terms of like the Jesus story, this is where we're at. Um, and so he, he's telling them essentially that he's about to go. He's about to be gone, and things are going to change, and it's going to be different. And so he tells them that if you love me, and you do my commandments, I will show myself to you. But I'm not going to show myself to the rest of the world, just to you. And so Judas kind of correctly asks, how are you going to show yourself to us, but not to the world? You know, imagine if I came to you and I said, all right, guys, today's my last day in Sugarland. But if you're my friends, you're still going to see me around Sugarland, but nobody else is. All right. Y'all would obviously think that, that Zach had kind of lost it right? He's finally snapped. Uh, or maybe like this is going to be a wicked awesome magic trick if he's somehow able to pull this off. Like you can see me in Kroger, but no one else can, right? You might be a little confused. Uh, now, <laughs> Jesus is not, uh, doesn't answer Judas's question, all right? And he doesn't do this uh, many times because oftentimes people are asking the wrong question when they ask Jesus a question. So he's like, you know, how are, you, how are we going to see you and no one else? And Jesus responds with this, right? He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Which is just beautiful. I was really struck by that when I read it. Uh, the fact that Jesus and God would come and make his home with us that that's where he's going to decide to live and to dwell. Now, this, okay. so the Holy Spirit is how this is able to happen. The Holy Spirit is what allows God, and uh, it provides that connection to God that lets him make his home with us. It's what 
lets us not be orphans. Uh, it's what lets Jesus show himself to others um, while his body is no longer in the world. The Holy Spirit is in community with God and with Jesus, and it actually allows us to access that kind of community. Now, I imagine that all of y'all have lived with someone at some point in your life, but I want you to raise your hand if you have let someone live in your house that is not your spouse or your kids. All right, very good. Quite a number of people, all right? How was that experience? Easy, great, all right, very good. Uh, that's a rare thing, <laughs> okay? Uh, most people, when you invite others into your house, right, there's a, some challenges that are coming uh, because when you live with someone, when you invite them into your home, it gets personal, all right? Uh, I learned something about Michelle this week, and I had planned to, uh, I had planned to tell it in this particular sermon And literally, as I was walking out the door this morning, as if led by the Holy Spirit, she says, don't tell this story about this. And that's the story I was going to tell. So I'm not going to tell that story, because I don't have to. Uh, (laughs) No, when when you live with someone, right, you get to learn all these intricacies about them that you didn't know before, and maybe you never wanted to know, right? Maybe you never did. And you also learn things about yourself, all right, how you see the world. All of a sudden, you have to figure out why it's important to you that this door stay closed or that, you know, that you put the tube of the toothpaste back on or, you know, all these, these rules that you have about how your life works and how the world works that you are, can very easily keep away from everyone else that you know, but when they live with you, all of a sudden, they are involved in your life. And this is also true of Jesus and God when the Holy Spirit's among you. I have a very active imagination, okay? Uh, I know, shocker. And I imagined, like, you know, Jesus Christ, the sitcom, you know? Can you imagine living with Jesus? Like, you come home and, you know, who are these people that are in our house? And like, oh, this is, you know, Bob and Terry. They're homeless. They're going to be living with us now. And this is Cinnamon, a nice woman that I met on on the side of the street, she needed something to eat. Oh, and I met our neighbors, you know, uh, Terry and Bradshaw, uh, and, you know, they needed a dishwasher, so I took ours out and gave it to them. I hope you don't mind. Oh, and I, I don't know why you did this, but uh, you locked the door this morning. Why are we locking our doors? That doesn't make any sense. Could you just imagine how different your life would be if Jesus was all of a sudden living with you? He's like, Jesus, did you go to the store this morning? Don't worry. I got this. Like, oh my gosh. You could just imagine how different it would be. And oftentimes, like, when you live loving God and following his commandments, and in particular, if the Holy Spirit is playing a role in your life, you might be doing things that are making you uncomfortable, or certainly that are countercultural. Uh, this, is, this is just a reality, okay? Because oftentimes, the way that we live our life, is as an American in the 21st century, because that's, you know, where we live. Um, But then there's times, if you're following Jesus, where you do things that just fly in the face of what it means to be an American in the 21st century. 
And the more and the more you love God and the more you're doing what he says, the more so this is true. Uh, he then talks about what is this going to look like. He describes what this helper is going to be like. Um, so he says, and I'm paraphrasing, once Jesus is no longer with us, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, the Holy Spirit does many things in Scripture. Uh, even in the Creed, we attribute it as how the virgin birth was possible, right? Uh, which is pretty incredible. Uh, there's lots of times where the Holy Spirit gives someone strength. It's like a, a Christian P90X. Uh, you know, if you're trying to get into workout regimen, the Holy Spirit is probably not how you want to bulk up. All right, I'm just letting you know it's not a common occurrence. All right, uh, he, the Holy Spirit leads people to speak God's agenda into governments, into individuals, into religious groups. All right, uh, he, sorry. Sometimes people end up speaking in languages that they don't know, or unknown languages, uh, speaking in tongues. Sometimes it is a rapid healing in a miraculous way, like we heard with the blind man. And he's like, I don't know how it happened. I was blind, and now I'm not. Um, and sometimes it's even to raise the dead, right? Which is uh, something I'm not able to do, amongst many other things. So it just seems that in Scripture, when God wants something done on earth, the Holy Spirit's involved. Uh, and in this passage in particular, though, it highlights what I think is the most common role of the Holy Spirit, which is to teach and to remind. The Holy Spirit is active in God's people to teach us things about God and what it means to be a disciple of Christ in our world, and then reminds us of what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And this is uh, something that you may not have ever really thought about. But it's a good thing to have the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, oftentimes when, when I think people think about the Holy Spirit, it's like this thing that happens, but you don't know about it, if that makes sense. Uh, so you might think back on your life and say, well, I could see God's hand in these situations, right? Uh, and how without this happening and this happening and this happening... I really don't know how it would have made it here. And I think that that's, I'm not saying that that's bad, okay? Please look back on your life and see how God has blessed you, okay? Even whenever you didn't realize it. But I think that there's another aspect of the Holy Spirit that involves desiring more of God in your life, where you want God to speak to you personally, where you want God to show you what he wants, to, he wants you to do and to say in every situation, uh, anytime I think about the Holy Spirit, I think about this, uh, this time in college, all right? So when I was a freshman in college, young Zach opened to the world. I, would, uh, I was involved in the Baptist student ministry in Chi Alpha, which was associated with Seventh-day Adventist. I was involved in the uh, Church of Christ's weekly you know, Bible study, and then a non-denominational one. I discipled around, okay? I was all over the place uh, for my first year, to the point where I was like, all right, I'm doing too much. I need to focus on one ministry. And uh, if you've never been to a, a, a Seventh-day Adventist church, uh, or specifically like a, 
a college-related Seventh-day Adventist church. Uh, this one was very charismatic uh, compared to the other two. And so at, uh, at one point, and the, the leader had a very interesting story. Uh, he was actually supposed to be medically dead uh, in that he had been diagnosed with a specific disease that was supposed to kill him five years ago. And, you know, he found God, and now it's like in remission and has been for, you know, a decade longer than doctors thought was medically possible. So, he, like, for him, the work of the Holy Spirit was not this cognitive process. It was a life-providing entity, right? And so he led this, uh, this five-week session that was to describe how... Uh, to try and develop your spiritual gifts, to try and develop uh, your Holy Spirit property, whatever, that, whatever that's called. Uh, and so this was his exercise. Um, this, is what, this is what I want you to do. I want you to spend time praying, short amount of time praying, and then ask God to show you what he wants you to pray for. And that was it. And since I was young and in college, I was open to try anything, and so that's what I did. Uh, for about a week, or at least starting with a week, I would sit for 30 minutes a day and listen and try to and ask God what he wanted me to pray for. And this is very difficult for someone with an active imagination. Um, it would be even more difficult, you know, with other aspects in my life, uh, but uh, but I did. So I tried it, and I, I day number one, I sit down, and I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm ready. Show me what you want me to pray for. And I'm trying to focus, you know. And for 30 minutes, I get nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm like, all right, tomorrow, tomorrow's the day. So day two, I sit, and I pray, and I listen, and nothing happens. Day three, day four, day five. Nothing happens. And I'm like, all right, I'm really bad at this, okay? Surely if I was better at this, God would be talking to me. Um, so after about a week of doing this, it was a Wednesday night, I sit, and I'm like, all right, Lord, we can do this. And I pray, and then I, I got my eyes closed, and then I see words, text. The word the was the first word. And I was like, the, and then a new word would come, and then I said the other word, and it just started to form these sentences. Uh, and so this was, this, is, this was my kind of uh, result of that exercise, was these literally texts, all right? And then a week later, something different happened, uh, where instead of seeing words, I saw phonetic symbols. I'm like, all right, here we go. And so then a week later, the phonetic symbols stopped making sense. And at that point, even though I believed literally that these were your words from God, I stopped because it had, it had taken me outside of my comfort zone. And even now, thinking back on it, I really regret that uh, because it was a point in my life where I believed that God wanted me to do something, and I didn't. That I thought it, that I believed it was from him, and I was unwilling him to follow him in that way. Whenever you start to invite 
and involve yourself in the Holy Spirit. It gets very personal. And oftentimes, it, it asks you or prompts you to do things or say things that you wouldn't normally do. Um, that might seem a little odd. I don't, I don't know uh, who in here remembers Sam Hernandez, uh, but Sam came to this church for several years. Uh, she was very involved. Uh, Sam was very charismatic. She still is, still a lovely person. Um, and for her, whenever the Spirit's speaking to her, it's in visuals, right? So she, she sees this image of a woman carrying something up a hill, and when she gets to the top, she looks down, and the thing she was carrying is a baby. And, like, there's these visual, like, cinematic things that don't, that don't really, like, tell a story or a narrative, but they make sense uh, to her. And this is how God speaks to Sam. For me, it's in text. I don't know what it'll be like uh, for you. But, but I, hope, I hope that you want more of God in your life. Does that make sense? I, I hope that whenever you hear about what the Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of your Christian brothers and sisters and the lives of people around the world, when you hear about Syria or Somalia or Trump or whatever is going on in your life, that whenever you hear it, you think, I wish God was in that more. I wish that the Holy Spirit would show up and do things in a powerful way. I, I, I hope that you want more of it in your life. So what's a, let's go back to my questions, right? Is the Holy Spirit personal? Uh, the Holy Spirit is very personal if you uh, are willing to allow it to be. And he is very personal in that whatever connection you feel to God, he's involved in, right? He is the one that draws you into that community. Mike has used this example uh, several times if you've been to the church for a while, where he remembers this, just this quiet, deep, affectionate connection between his grandparents as they were sitting on this porch swing. And then he, as a, as a young Mike, whatever that looked like, shoved himself in between the two just because he wanted to somehow be a part of that connection. And he says that whenever, uh, that that's kind of what it's like, that, that we as Christians, you have Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, and they are in this community of deep affection and love. And that as Christians, we want to shove ourselves in there to be a part of, of that community and of that love. And the Holy Spirit is what allows that to be possible. So what's the role of the Holy Spirit in bringing the heart and purpose of God into our lives? Well, one way that he does this, the most common way that he does this, is to teach us, to show things to us in a new and fresh way, and to remind us of what Jesus said and did during his life. So I wanted to leave you this morning with a challenge. All right, um, I'm going to challenge you guys for this week to try and find time, and if you want to go longer, feel free, to try to find time in your life where you can sit and ask God to show you what's important to him. Uh, when I was in college, this is a new concept. You know, I prayed, but I would always, you know, I would tell him how thankful I was, I would praise him, I would confess, I would ask but then it would be over and I'd move on. I did all the talking. 
What was most captivating about that was this concept that God would tell me what he thought was important. And he's done that many times in my life um, in specific and nonspecific ways. So I would challenge you guys to do that as well. That when you, when you go home throughout this week, ask God to show you what's important to him and invite the Holy Spirit to take a more active role in your life. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, we are so grateful for how you love us, how you gave us grace and mercy. And I just ask today that you would be with us, that you would ignite the Holy Spirit within us to a passion for you, a passion for others. Uh, be with us this week, Lord. In your name, amen. Now's the time in our service where we're...